Welcome to Objection to the Rule, your Sunday afternoon news hour on Radio Free Brooklyn. We are recording this episode on Saturday, July 2nd, and it will begin airing on Sunday, July 3rd, 2022. My name is Reese Robinson, and I'm on air today with my co-host, Jasmine Smith. How's it going today? It's going, um, you know, same old, same old on my end. Um, our other co-host has a birthday either coming up or it recently passed. So Yeah, it was yesterday. Happy birthday, Emily. Happy birthday. I hope you are enjoying the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, we hanging out over here in California. That's all I can really say today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So on today's uh, episode, we will be discussing for our local news story, um, a young mother being shot in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Our national news story will be about the police shooting of Jalen Walker in Akron, Ohio. For our world news segment, we'll be talking about migrant deaths sparking anger in Spain. And on the good news tip, scientists are turning a Brazilian tree park, tree bark, wait, a Brazilian tree bark into a treatment for leukemia. So we're going to go ahead and kick off today's episode with our local news segment. Jasmine, you're up. Okay, so um, this was a shocking story. It's a very sad story, as many other things we cover are. Um, and it's something that just the subject matter is um, something that hits close to home. So just so you're aware, as a trigger warning, like it does involve you know violence against women, domestic violence. Uh, this information is from ABC 7NY, also the Daily Beast, and PIX11. So those are the news sources. Uh, a young woman was shot in the head while pushing a baby stroller on a Manhattan street Wednesday night, though police believe the horrific crime to be domestic in nature and not a random attack. Before she was shot and killed, 20-year-old Asia Johnson texted a relative that she was planning to meet the father of her three-month-old child to work things out, according to police sources. I knew it was going to come to this, and I told my daughter this. Mom Lisa Desort said, for some reason, she felt like she needed to be tracked, so she texted her sister and said, this is my location, just in case. Detectives learned of the text Thursday morning, solidifying their theory that Johnson was targeted. Johnson, who, ha who also has a one-year-old son and who family members said was an aspiring pediatric nurse who loved being a mom, filed a complaint against her child's father for allegedly assaulting her in January in Jamaica, Queens, while she was pregnant with their daughter. He beat her up when she was six months pregnant, Desort said. I told her if he beat you up once, he's going to beat you up again. The 24-year-old was never arrested, although police have been looking for him. He reportedly has family in Staten Island, Brooklyn, and Queens that he may have been hiding out with during that time. He has at least five prior arrests dating back to 2017 for felonies ranging from reckless endangerment to robbery. Family members held a vigil for the slain mother Thursday night. Ebony Paulin, a neighbor and good friend said Johnson adored her children. She never wanted a confrontation, wanted to raise her kids and just grow, she said. She was quiet, never had a problem with nobody. 
Detectives say Johnson was living at a women's shelter in East Harlem. The shooting happened on Lexington Avenue and East 95th Street around 8.25 p.m. Wednesday. Police say Johnson was pushing the stroller when a man wearing all black, a hooded sweatshirt, and sweatpants walked out from behind and shot her in the head at point-blank range, close enough to leave burn marks on her face. Johnson was taken to Metropolitan Hospital, where she died about an hour later. Police say the baby was also rushed to the hospital, but was unarmed. Uh, So that was the report on the actual shooting from ABC7. And yesterday on PIX11, they announced the arrest of Asia Johnson's ex-boyfriend. He was arrested for his potential involvement in the 20-year-old's fatal shooting on Wednesday. Uh, His name is Isaac Argro. His age is 22. The other news source said 24. Uh, He has been charged with murder and criminal possession of a weapon for allegedly killing Johnson, who was walking with her three-month-old when she was shot point-blank in the back of the head. Argro is that child's father. He was found in Brownsville, Brooklyn, by U.S. Marshals and the NYPD Fugitive Task Force. From there, he was taken to NYPD's 19th Precinct. Sources told PIX11 News that before the shooting, Johnson texted family members. She told them that she felt bad that her child's father was not in her life, and she added that she was going to meet him. Johnson's mother, Lisa DeSort, has been outspoken about her daughter's experience with domestic violence. She added, despite calling the police multiple times, nothing was done. Police said, it's not harassment, he's just mad, DeZort said at a vigil on Thursday. I said, no, he's going to kill my daughter, and he killed my daughter. That's all I'm going to say. And just briefly from the Daily Beast, uh, they mentioned that Johnson was a Bronx resident who previously lived on Staten Island and filed at least two domestic violence complaints against more than one man over the past two years. Also, um, the mother said that a detective told Johnson that the alleged conduct did not add up to a crime. Um, So yes, like the family of the deceased of Miss Asia Johnson, they are raising money uh, for her funeral and in her memory. Uh, If you're interested in contributing, you can go to GoFundMe, G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E dot C-O-M forward slash F forward slash A-S-I-A hyphen J-O-H-N-S-O-N. And that is the link that was provided by PIX11 News. Um, So yeah, that's the end of my local story. Like very tragic, but unfortunately tale as old as time with you know, pregnant people being targeted, abused, and then it not ending well. Oh, so hard to hear stories like this. It's just, you know, I I mean, you can never not shine a light on domestic violence. It's something that just, you know, is a real poison in life and in society. And it's so tough, you know, being in those situations and, watching it from the sideline. I've done a number of work um, with Title IX and colleges, and it's always a challenging situation. 
for the person within the relationship as well as those on the outside, you know, even the mother in this story, you know, feeling that way and, and knowing, sensing that that is something that could occur to her daughter. Um, it's really challenging. You know, a lot of times people don't know how to get out of it. And then when you do get out of it, it just gets worse. Um, so many layers to this, this story, but like you said, it's a tale as old as time. And it's really sad, uh, for this woman, this child, as well as the others in the community that watched this relationship go downhill and end so tragically. Yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like it's really, it's an extremely complicated situation. It's not as easy as just leaving. And often when you leave, that's when you're most in the most danger. Yep. You know, so she was able to, you know, she did leave and was living in a women's shelter, you know, just goes to show you can do everything, quote unquote, right. And, you know, if someone is to the point where they're they're this entitled to you and they've already been abusing you, like it's it's very difficult to know um, how to, you know, make the best calculation to keep yourself safe, keep your child safe. Um, and, you know, it's not 100% sure that it was her baby's father who did it. I mean, it seems highly likely that that's what it is. Um, and I just also, you know, we're all still under the specter of this decision that came down from the Supreme Court. And people might not be aware of this, but homicide is one of, if not the top cause of maternal death for pregnant people in the United States. So being pregnant or being postpartum, like having recently been pregnant, a lot of people who are in that stage of life are extremely vulnerable to abuse and to violence and someone trying to control them. Um, And that information comes from nature.com. They have an article from November 2021 that goes into further detail Um, reproductive epidemiologist Maeve Wallace at Tulane and her co-authors analyzed data for deaths in all 50 states from 2018 and 2019. According to their research, becoming pregnant increases the risk of death by homicide between the ages of 10 and 44. Women who are pregnant or who had their pregnancy end in the past year were killed at a rate 16% higher than are women who are not pregnant. On the basis of years of study, specialists in intimate partner violence expect women who are already in abusive relationships to be at increased risk of homicide if they become pregnant. Uh, And Asia Johnson, from what I am seeing of her images, like she was a black woman or a, a young woman of color, Uh, the team found that Black people in the U.S. who are pregnant or were recently pregnant have up to nearly threefold higher risk of dying by homicide than those who are not pregnant. And that is the highest increase reported among any racial or ethnic group. Uh, And the team notes they only reported rates among Black, Hispanic, and white women because the sample sizes for other groups like Asian American women or Native American women were too small to publish. But I don't doubt at all that it's also high in those communities. Young women between the ages of 10 and 24 are at higher risk of homicide while pregnant than those who are older, according to the study. It's an age and race story, according to Wallace. So 
I just, I was aware of that statistic, but just reading the story of Asia, I thought, damn, like she's really sadly another example of this, you know, just a very young woman trying to make it was very recently pregnant, abused while pregnant. And now her life ends in homicide, despite, you know, telling the police, going to a shelter, telling your loved ones where you are. You know, it's like, this is really, it just, it frustrates me so much. Cause like, you know, how much money is being spent on police harassing people for not paying a fare, just standing around doing nothing. But you have someone saying, I'm afraid for my life. And where was her protection or someone to follow her around or to be keeping tabs on this man? But that's not a big deal. That's not a priority. It's not really a crime. It just makes me so angry and yeah. just disgusted because th- this could have been avoided. It could have been avoided. And she did everything that, you know, people say, why didn't she leave? And it's still like this. It's just crazy to me. Yeah, it's really disheartening. Uh, prayers up for her family. And again, all those around her that are affected by this. Because when things like this happen, it's not just the immediate family um, that are affected, you know, children are influenced by things like this. They, they, family members, other family members are affected by things like this. It just never ends, you know, um, the pain. The ripple and, effect for sure. Like her community was so sad. Like, you know, seeing images of the people that knew her, her friends, her family just getting together and crying. Like there were other women in the battered women's shelter who were interviewed talking about how afraid they felt. You know, like you're trying to seek some kind of security and knowing that this happened to someone in your group, I'm sure is very yeah. frightening. It's devastating. It's devastating. You know, so we'll definitely share the link to the GoFundMe and any other information that uh, we can find to support and lift up um, her memory. But just very, very, very sad for her, her children, her mom, everybody impacted. We're going to go ahead and take our first music break for the day. Let this breathe for a second. Um, This track is called A Sickness and it's by an artist named Novell. We'll be right back. Sometimes life sucks, doesn't it? I know God is love, but what is this? Down in the pit of my soul like a ton of bricks You think it's all in my head, I think I'm sick I know God is love, but what is this? It don't matter Sex. 
try to fake this marriage, you know right away I know God is love, but what is this? It don't matter if the world can crash and crash and down, down Even if these walls can crash into You can follow our social media accounts. We have an Instagram account and we also have a Facebook account. Our Facebook page can be found at facebook.com forward slash objection radio free BK. No spaces, no punctuation. Our Instagram account is at objection to the rule. Again, no spaces, no punctuation marks. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. For our national news segment, I have gathered this information from an article on the WashingtonPost.com. The title of the article is After a Black Man is Killed by Police, the City Cancels This July 4th Celebration. The author is Timothy Bella. Days after a black man was killed by police officers who reportedly fired almost 100 rounds during a chase that started as a traffic stop, Officials in Akron, Ohio, announced that the 4th of July celebration was canceled in response to the fatal shooting that has rocked the city this week. Police tried to pull over Jalen Walker, a 25-year-old DoorDash driver, for a traffic infraction early Monday, authorities said. The Akron Police Department said said that during the pursuit, Walker fired a gun from outside the vehicle. It claimed that Walker's family has refuted. As he kept driving away from police, Walker jumped out of his vehicle and was chased by officers on foot, according to authorities. It's unclear why Walker fled police, as he had no criminal record. Bobby DeCello, one of the family's attorneys, told the Washington Post. Actions by the suspect caused the officers to perceive he posed a deadly threat to them, police said in a news release. In response to this threat, officers discharged their firearms, striking the suspect. Walker was pronounced dead at the parking lot where he was shot. Autopsy records show that eight officers fired more than 90 rounds at Walker. 
with more than 60 striking his body, DeCello told the Post. The account was corroborated by WKYC, the first to report the number of gunshots fired. There are wounds on all sides and parts of his body, DeCello said. Eight officers involved in the shooting have been placed on paid administrative leave pending the conclusion of the investigation from the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation, according to Akron Police. Details surrounding the number of shots fired by police have not been released to authorities. by authorities. The officers have not yet been publicly identified. A weapon was recovered from inside Walker's car, according to police. The cello said there was no evidence showing that the firearm was in the car or that the firearm was discharged at the officers. The killing has sparked protests and calls for accountability from Walker's family and residents angry over the third fatal police shooting in the Northeast Ohio City since late December. Akron police announced Friday that body camera footage of the shooting would be released on Sunday afternoon. The blowback led Akron Mayor Dan Horgan, who called the killing a dark day in our city, to announce that the city's 4th of July celebration was canceled. The Rib White and Blue Festival was scheduled to begin Friday in downtown Akron and conclude on Monday for Independence Day. The part of downtown where the festival would have taken place will have no activities or entertainment over the holiday weekend. I completely understand that some residents and guests will be disappointed by the decision to cancel the festival this holiday weekend. Independence Day is meant to be a celebration and a time of gathering of family and friends, Horgan said to a news release on Thursday. Unfortunately, I feel strongly that this is not a time for a city-led celebration. The Summit County Medical Examiner's Office confirmed to the Post that Walker's death has been classified as a homicide. Walker died of multiple gunshot wounds to the face, abdomen, and upper part of his legs, according to Akron Beacon Journal. Denise DiNapoli, a spokesperson for the medical examiner, told the Post that the homicide classification refers to a medical term indicating death by the hands of another, and it is not a legal conclusion. As it is in every investigation, the goal of the Summit County Medical Examiner's Office is to be able to provide an accurate assessment of injuries sustained by Mr. Walker. The autopsy report is expected to be released next week. More than 1,040 people have been shot and killed by police in the last year, according to data tracked by the Post. Although half of those people were white, Black Americans are shot at a disproportionate rate. They account for less than 13% of the U.S. population, but are killed by police in more than twice the rate of whites. Hispanics are also killed by police in a disproportionate rate. Before working for DoorDash, Walker worked for Amazon, DiCello said on Thursday's news conference. The Akron native's high school sweetheart died in a car crash last month, DiCello told the Post. Authorities said the incident began around 1230 a.m. Monday when Walker got out of a moving car during a pursuit that lasted several minutes. He ended up in the parking lot for Bridgestone America Center for Research and Technology, police said. After Walker was shot, police said officers immediately summons for EMS to as they began administering first aid until the arrival of paramedics. Once the state's investigation is complete, the case will be handed over to the Ohio Attorney General's Office for further review before being presented by the Summit County Grand Jury for evaluation, police said. Protesters gathered outside of Akron's police department office on Thursday and blocked traffic to demand justice for Jalen. The cello told the Post that the family has urged protesters to be peaceful over the holiday weekend, including when the body cam footage will be released on Sunday. We are very concerned that this video is going to cause Akron to burn, and we don't want that. Nobody wants that, the attorney said. 
it's all about peace, dignity, and justice for Jalen. His family said, his family has said Walker was a sweet man who never caused trouble. Relatives expressed their grief in news conferences and interviews with local media, saying they are angry and sick over the killing, over a killing they say didn't have to happen. His mother, Pamela Walker, was left with one question to WKYC. Why? Why did this happen in such a manner, such a terrible, terrible way, she asked. So that's the end of the article. Um, it's always very difficult to report these stories. And they really don't change. You know, it's always some BS as to why people are murdered by police. But this 90 rounds of ammunition is insane. Like, I, I, I don't even understand how eight officers could be involved in something for one person on foot and then on administrative paid leave. Like, like. It's, it's so clear here that this was not only excessive use of force and a preposterous this killing. execution. It's exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. You took the words right out of my mouth. They executed this boy. You you afraid someone is go, oh, going away from you. You know what the car is. You can run whatever you got to do but you're so afraid you got to shoot at someone that is fleeing you nearly a hundred times and hit him 60. It's, it's, it's absurd. It's, I can't even imagine. I, I was just thinking like, you know, the funeral preparations and what they have to go through to bury him with dignity. If they can, like, it's just, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it made me think, you know, it's not the exact same situation, but like how Mamie Till decided to have an open casket so people could see yeah, what those murderers did to her child. It's like 60 bullets going into somebody and you got to, you know, say goodbye to your loved one in that condition, you know, to a young man that's basically like a kid. Yeah. You he know, was a DoorDash driver and they're saying, you know, they don't know why he fired. Well, what would you do if you was being chased by police? You know, like not to say that it's OK for anybody to fire at anybody, period. But we are scared out even, here. Are we even sure that that really happened? Because isn't his aren't his family disputing that that was the case? Yeah, they are disputing. I mean, that's the, the way the story read. It says that that he was firing the gun the gun outside of the car, but then the the lawyer saying that there was not a firearm. So it almost sounds like they're setting him up, man. Like, and that happens every day. Yep. You know they kill you and then they retrofit some story after the fact to make it seem like you deserved it. You know, that's. That don't make no kind of sense, especially if he wasn't having like a history of being involved in any kind of illegal activity. It's like, why would he all of a sudden have a gun on him that he's going to be shooting at the police? Exactly. And he ran. You know, that's the thing. Like, we are all afraid. We are all afraid of police officers at any given time when they try to stop you. It's just like a a second sense comes over you where you just want to protect yourself. You don't know what to do. You know, and as much as they tell you, you know, I know back in the day, I definitely had that conversation in my family. At least I overheard it. What to do when the police stop you. But today it's like, does it we I don't even know if families can have those conversations anymore because it doesn't matter. 
Sure don't. It's like you can be like look at Philando Castile. You know, they tell you people say, Oh, you need to have a gun so you can defend yourself. He had a properly registered gun and all of that. Oh, you know, if the police pull you over, you stay calm, you do this. He did all of that and it's all on tape and they still shot that man to death with his child in the car, his baby mother in the car watching. It's like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But if you are Black, they're going to find a way to make it seem like you deserved it. It's really... What kind of devil will shoot all those rounds knowing that after the first shot, this man is probably down already? Like, you, what in you makes you keep shooting? I, I just don't understand that. 90 rounds yeah Listen. and they on it paid administration they basically got like what a paid vacation yep for and the I'm holiday saying, the video hasn't come out yet right like it's no it's supposed to be tomorrow. it's come it's coming out on sunday so they're anticipating having riots in akron because of it man i'm not really i know lebron is from akron i haven't spent much time in. i haven't spent any time in ohio um yeah. so i'm i'm not sure if um I'm not aware of exactly what the history is with this type of thing happening in Akron specifically. Um, Yeah, well, I'm from Cincinnati. So Cincinnati, Ohio does have a long history of police killing um, of black people. It is a very interesting state because, you know, during um, during slavery, it was one of the free states. You cross the Ohio River and the slaves was free. So there has been, it has a tumultuous history um, of being that way. You know, the good side is there's like Quaker homes and people who helped in the Underground Railroad. And they have a pretty large black population um, in the state itself for a Midwestern state. However, the more north you go, you know, you see a lot more of this type of thing happening. Uh, You don't hear a lot of it happening in Columbus, which is uh, the capital where Ohio State is at. And Cincinnati definitely has had its history. But over the past few years, um, you know, it hasn't been as many stories to report from Southern Ohio is what I'm trying to say. But up in in the Northern part, you have no idea what it's like up there. I had a lot of college roommates from Akron and they would all come down to get away from it. Yeah. And it's just, you know, all of these news stories coming out at the same time, it's, it's very it's overwhelming and you know even the way the supreme court is messing with people's rights to hold police accountable in any type of judicial process like if it's found that they were in the wrong and attacking you shooting you or whatever like they're taking that away like they want to make it harder or impossible for you to have any recourse you know people that are wrongfully convicted and like evidence comes out after the fact they want to make it so that you know there's nothing you can do about it to fight back against it it really is you know and i hope more and more people wake up to the fact that these are real very real coordinated attacks against those of us who are marginalized whether it's you know you're a woman you're queer you're black you're poor like all of these people in positions of power are trying to make it easier for things like this to happen to you and for nothing to be done about it. They're not organizing to keep you safer. 
there's exactly. all this organization to make you less safe and to try to crush you for even speaking out. So, you know, my, I, I, I feel horrible again, you know, another young person gone, we just talked about one dead in the local story, but you know, as you can see, it's a nationwide issue. Absolutely. Out of control guns, out of control, misogyny, out of control, police violence. Like we're essentially living in a police state that's just getting more and more brazen and powerful by the day. So, you know, they do not need to have any of this power that they have. It's absolutely terrible. 90 shots. Yeah. It's like not even a piece of his body that didn't have a bullet. Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. You know, well, solidarity to the people of Akron for it. You got to do whatever you got to do to make sure that you're heard. And that's all I'm going to say. But make sure make sure they hear you. Absolutely. Be careful out there this weekend, y'all. I already know what it's like. I've been on the streets of Ohio protesting police brutality. So I already know. Uh, one thing I can say about the people of Ohio, the people of color of Ohio, they do stand up for each other. We do have each other's back, you know, with it being such a large population in certain cities. I'm just going to tell y'all, be careful with each other. Um, make sure you you do the proper things when you protest. Don't go alone and be careful. Look out for each other. But we definitely have to stand up um, and get justice for Jalen and all the others who have been murdered by senseless police violence. Absolutely, because we keep each other safe. You know, that's we have to have each other's backs because they do not, obviously. That's right. We have to be there for each other. So we stand in solidarity with you. Be careful out in the streets. We're going to go ahead and take our next music break. Let this story air out. This song is called Another Day in America, and it is by Kali Uchis and Ozuna. We'll be right back.
Everything changed in America Except nothing changed in America Wanna tell me what's America But who do you think built America? Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And next up, we'll have our world news update. This comes from BBC News. This article was written by Guy Hedgeco. The title is Melilia, Migrant Deaths Spark Anger in Spain. The death of at least 23 sub-Saharan migrants who were attempting to cross from Morocco to the Spanish enclave of Melilla is the worst tragedy of its kind, placing Southern Europe's immigration controls and its relationship with North Africa under scrutiny. Melilla is Spanish territory, but on the North African coast, some 150 kilometers or 90 miles from the Spanish mainland. It and its sister city, Ceuta are the only land borders between Africa and Europe. Between 1,500 and 2,000 migrants who had been camping in the Moroccan mountains surrounding Melilla descended on the city's border last Friday, a number of them carrying sticks, hoping to scale the border fences and therefore reach Spanish territory. In the chaos that followed, many of them were crushed between the six-meter-high fences and Moroccan border guards who used tear gas and batons on the migrants. While Moroccan authorities said that 23 migrants and two police were killed, local NGOs have reported a higher migrant death toll of 37, according to Caminando Fronteras. Dozens more were injured, with many reported to be in Moroccan hospitals. A total of 133 migrants managed to reach Melilla, where they are being housed in the city's migrant temporary stay setting while their legal status is examined. The Moroccan police beat us and killed our friends, and I don't understand why, Amir, a young man from Sudan who reached Melilla, told eldiario.es news site. The Moroccans hit me a lot, said Karin, another Sudanese man. The repression was very heavy. It's never been like that before. Video footage recorded shortly after the incident and posted on social media by the Moroccan Association for Human Rights, or AMDH, showed several dozen migrants packed together on the ground near the border, with bodies piled up on top of each other and bloodstains and articles of clothing nearby. Many of the migrants appeared injured, while many others showed no signs of movement. The dead migrants were due to be buried on Monday, although the AMDH said that their bodies had not been identified or undergone an an autopsy. 
This is the worst such tragedy that Spain's two North African enclaves have seen. The most recent comparable incident was in 2014 when 15 migrants drowned while trying to swim around the border fence to Ceuta. A judicial investigation into Spanish civil guards who had reportedly fired rubber bullets and tear gas into the water nearby was eventually shelved. This time, the deaths have taken place against the backdrop of a controversial shift in relations between Spain and Morocco, which is believed to have influenced border controls. In March, it emerged that the Spanish government of socialist Pedro Sanchez had altered its stance on the longstanding dispute over Western Sahara, favoring Morocco's claims to the territory, which is slightly larger than the United Kingdom after decades of neutrality. Rabat, Morocco's capital, had been pressuring Madrid to make such a change to its Western Sahara policy, and the arrival of over 10,000 migrants in Ceuta over a 36-hour period in May 2021, with Moroccan border guards apparently doing nothing to stop them, was seen as part of this effort. By siding with Morocco over the disputed territory, Mr. Sanchez hoped to ensure the North African country's cooperation on migration, thus preventing a repeat of last year's Ceuta incident. However, Spain's pivot on Western Sahara has angered Algeria, which backs self-determination for the territory, and critics say it has encouraged overzealous policing of the border by Morocco. Spain must think again about a policy of externalizing its borders and blackmail on the part of Morocco, which creates so much violence and suffering. Pablo Echnique, spokesman for the Unidas Podemos party, the junior party in the governing coalition, wrote on Twitter. When the dead are blonde and have blue eyes, everyone sees things more clearly. Unidas Podemos is among those who have called for a full investigation into the Melilla deaths. In an editorial, El País newspaper drew a direct link between the improvement in bilateral relations with Morocco and that country's style of policing the border. The Spanish government, it said, cannot ignore the way in which the bilateral accord is being fulfilled given that there are signs of a serious violation of human rights. Uh, I'm going to skip some for the sake of time, um, just jumping to the end here. The Spanish Catholic Church, meanwhile, appealed for the migration issue not to be used for political ends. They are not invaders. They are just human beings who are seeking to reach Europe, fleeing wars and drought aggravated by the consequences of the war in Ukraine, lack of water, and infestations caused by climate change, read a statement issued by the Episcopal Subcommission for Migration and Human Development. Thank you for bringing that story to light. Um, You know, the migrant community is so large in this world. um, And I feel like they are a forgotten community until, you know, until some crisis hits. And even when the crisis hits, Nobody really considers how much these people have gone through to flee from whatever situation that they're in to try to find stable ground. Many don't make it. Uh, many are turned away. 
many are migrants forever because nobody will allow them to be be in their country. And it's just so awful to reject human life for any reason. It is. And it's, um, this story reminded me of the more recent um, national story that we had here with the the death toll is now up to 53 migrants that were found dead in that trailer at the southern border. Mm. Um, and it's exactly like you're saying, you know, it's just the complete like lack of humanity and compassion that's shown to migrants, but specifically migrants that get labeled as some sort of racial or ethnic other. It's really it's horrifying, you know, and I, yeah. I only saw a snippet of the video of um, people like these bodies that were found, you know, trying to get into Spain, you know, and it's mostly or almost all black people, dark skinned black people being prodded around, stepped over. And, you know, I just think as, you know, like the statement that the church made at the end of uh, that BBC article I just read, they were talking about things like climate change, like you have warfare. And I feel, I don't feel like I know that like, as those things escalate, unfortunately, rather than it bringing more people together. And I think, you know, having more people think of ways that we can work together to try to mitigate that. I think it's encouraging people to be more racist and more closed minded because they have a, a mindset of like scarcity and like not wanting mm -hmm. to share or cooperate. And, you know, as th these things are not getting better, they're just getting worse. Exactly. You know, it's, it's like we can't sometimes as Americans, we can't imagine ourselves in those shoes, but it could be us at any moment, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's a community of people who spend their lives just trying to get to safe ground. Um, you know, it, it it behooves anyone to just think about if that's you, if that's exactly. your family member, you know, just they're not a forgotten people. They are people. They are human beings who are trying to have a better life. And I just I, it's sickening to know that they're refuted at the border, that they, they just will let them just be out at sea with nowhere to go. Like, just it's insane. man. we all need to practice so much more compassion for one another. Um because the human race is just that, like we're just people. They're just people as well, trying to trying to figure out a better life to get away from the harsh realities from whatever they're running from. And, and, and you know, I think in the U.S. we have an unfair advantage because it's um, an illusion of United States, right? But at least we can go from state to state if we absolutely have to, where some people just don't have that as an option. And, you know, the way things are going in this country, like in the U.S., you'll see some individuals making statements about where they want to go, where they want to flee to. And I, I think it's like in their the first time in their life that they're ever really having to think about, like, if I if my home was no longer safe, where would I go? And there's people who have been in that situation, as you said, for years, yeah. for generations. Yeah. Their family can't be together. They're broken up. They're spread out all over the place. And, you know, as we see, it's creeping up more and more. But 
Uh, I will say, you know, that I, I was being very much of a downer, but I do feel like there are definitely people who are becoming more awake to what's happening. And in Spain and Barcelona, there was a protest of thousands of people in the street um, in, you know, in protest for the deaths of these migrants, you know, and they have signs like Las Vidas Negras in Portan, which is Black Lives Matter um, in Spanish. So, you know, I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom because you know there are a lot of people i feel like there's more people that care than there are people who don't but it's about who is in the positions of power to be making these decisions and i also think that it's generational too like you know younger people are definitely more um aware now i think that you know um than they have been in the past and it's always the youth that starts the movement you know so Let's just hope that in the midst of all of this negativity, that, you know, having these conversations and bringing these stories to light, we are inviting young people into a conversation that will go out and be the change makers that we need them to be. Yeah. And talk to the older people in your life. You right. Know? Like, you got to try to, you know, try to win over. You got to grow them up with your youth. Yeah. Like, do what you can within your circles of influence to you know wake people up to what's happening and try to get them on the right side of history because it's too much wrong happening right now that's right we got to take it back all right so with all these stories we brought you today i'm going to try to bring you just a little bit of good news to close out this episode because we really really need some (laughs) this story is from the good news network and the title of it um, is called Scientists Turn Brazilian Tree Bark into Promising Treatment for Leukemia. I don't quite see the author here. Um, compounds from a Brazilian tree bark can now be used <clears throat> to treat acute myeloid leukemia after a new technique that delivers it straight into the cancer cell. The disease has a survival rate about 20% after five years, and there is a high occurrence of relapse caused by an abnormal increase in the number of type of immature blood cells. It is an aggressive cancer and the most common form of acute leukemia in adults. Scientists identified a compound from the bark of the Lepacho tree called Lepachone, which controls the increase in the number of cells involved with cancer. However, it was toxic toxic to other cells as as well. It's important to find new therapeutic strategies for acute myeloid leukemia. Professor Goncalo Bernardes, a reader in chemical biology and Royal Society University Research Fellow and a fellow at Trinity Hall College, Cambridge, said, there is a lot of natural compounds with medicinal value that can't be used as therapies at the moment due to toxicity and negative effects in healthy cells. In our work, We use these natural compounds and modify them in a way that controls their negative effects and allows us to take advantage of their therapeutic value. The team modified the compound to shield the body from its negative effects until it is delivered to the heart of the cancer cell. The compound that we explored in this study called Lapichone is a promising drug to treat leukemia, but its reactive properties could have undesirable effects. Professor Bernardes, who is also group leader at the Institut de Medicina Molecular and co-leader of the study added. In this work, we combine two strategies to minimize the negative effects of the compound. 
On one side, we added a chemical group to this compound that protects fr from its reactive property. It acts like a mass that covers the toxicity of the drug. This mass is released in a more acidic environment and corresponds to the interior of the cells. This leads to our second strategy. We attach the modified compound to a protein, an antibody, that delivers it directly to the interior of the cancer cells. The chemistry that was developed in this study, published in the journal Nature Chemistry, can be used for other valuable natural compounds, enabling the use of compounds with therapeutic potential that were previously inappropriate for medicinal use. Cancer cells have certain marks that tell them apart from healthy cells, Dr. Anna Guerra, co-second author of the study added. In acute myeloid leukemia, we know that one of these specific markers, called CD33, is present in the cancer cells. We attached our natural product to an antibody that binds specifically to this CD33. This allows the drug to go through the body without damaging any healthy cells, and when the antibody occurs to cancer cell, it binds to the CD33 marker and delivers the drug. At this moment, it will turn into an active and toxic form, killing the cancer cell. So that's the end of the article. Um, I always love to hear updates in, in medicine, um, especially for treatments for long-term illnesses. I think that we don't hear enough about the good science that's being done. And obviously, since the pandemic, all we hear about is COVID. <laughs> we don't hear about other um, you know, innovations in medicine that are helping treat long-term disease. While we don't have a cure for cancer, anything that helps to um, reverse the effects of it taking over the body is always positive news. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that it's something that, you know, is derived from nature, you know, not to be, I'm not that much of a woo woo person, but <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, people have existed for thousands and thousands of years. And before a lot of the modern things that we have now, you know, you had to rely on herbs, plants, yep. all of that. And, you know, it's, it, if you know what you're doing, those things are powerful. So I hope that, you know, people are getting more tuned into those things to, you know, prevent things, to try to reverse or delay some of the damage that happens with some of these illnesses. And that, you know, whatever they come up with, with this particular product, that it's available to everyone who needs it. I just... Unfortunately, yeah. sometimes, the, sometimes, often the profit motive takes over and it's about who can afford it, but hopefully exactly. that won't be the case. Exactly. Very true. All right. So we did it. We have made it to the end of this week's episode of Objection to the Rule. Thank you so much for listening. You can catch all of our older episodes on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, on the Radio Free Brooklyn app, or on Spotify. Keep listening for more independent Brooklyn media. We're going to play you out with our final track of the day. It's called Dribble, and it's by Anomaly. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Everybody be safe.
If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming Radio Free Brooklyn events. You can sign up at radiofreebrooklyn.org forward slash newsletter.